Hey, welcome to Church Alive. Our mission is to reach, teach, and empower people to impact their generation for Christ. Thanks for tuning in and enjoy the message. Your Bible. Have, how many of you got a 1980s Bible? Joel Arena, you have a guilty look on your face. <laughs> Isaiah chapter 6, uh, verse 1, says this. How many of you on your phone? I see pages turning. My goodness. We're going back. In the year that King Uzziah died, I saw the Lord seated on the throne, high and exalted, and the train of his robe filled the temple, and above him were the seraphs, each with six wings. With two wings they covered their faces, and with two they covered their feet, and with two they were flying, and they were calling to one another, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty, the whole earth is full of his glory. At the sound of their voices, the doorposts and thresholds shook, and the temple was filled with smoke, and said, Woe to me, I cried, I am ruined, for I am a man of unclean lips, and I I live among a people of unclean lips, and my eyes have seen the King, the Lord of glory. Then one of the seraphs flew to me with a live coal in his hand, which he had taken with tongs from the altar. With it, he touched my mouth and said, see, this has touched your lips. Your guilt is taken away. Don't you love that God takes away your guilt, doesn't leave your guilt, and your sin is atoned for. Then I heard the voice of the Lord saying, whom shall I send and who will go for us? And I said, here am I, send me. Here am I, send me. Can someone say, here am I, I. send me. me. Father, I thank you so much for your people. I thank you so much for what you're doing in this church. I'm so proud of so many of the leaders in this place. And I just thank you, Lord, that you have more for them. You have greater things in store for them. God, you have things you need to purify. You have things you need to clean. Uh, Lord, we thank you that all of it's good. All of it's great. All of it's holy. You are good and you are God. And Lord, I just give you praise and worship and honor in this place. In the mighty name of Jesus. Come on, pray this simple prayer with me. Lord, Lord. unlock... The barriers barriers. take away away. the stones stones of my life life. that would stop stop. the very life of God God. flowing out of me. me. Come on, one more time. Give Jesus praise. Come on. All right, grab your seats. Grab your seats. Um, we're filming this actually and putting this on podcast, um, partly because sometimes, how many of you have had a mer- <laughs> How many of you <laughs> started speaking other tongues but un- <laughs> didn't mean it? It wasn't by faith, it was just by mistake. And uh, <laughs> how many of you have ever heard a message before and you're literally like, oh my gosh, I need to hear that one again? And I have often been shaped. I remember many years ago, I listened to this one message. Uh, I think by Benny Hinn on prayer, and I reckon I listened to it eight times. Like it was just one of those messages you had to listen to over and over again. I've listened to numerous different messages so many different times because sometimes I hear a message and I know that I don't have it yet. And I hope you hear messages sometimes and kind of go, oh, it sounds so good, but I don't have that yet, right? But you actually need to get it. You need to get that word in your spirit. And um, so I, I pray that tonight's going to add value to you. I'm going to give you lots of points tonight. And so maybe one or two or three of them will hit you, especially, but maybe in the future you'll need some more of them. Yeah. 
How many know, uh, like when you go to a conference, you have like 94 points from the conference. You're like, and you look at it and I literally go, oh Lord, what am I meant to do with this? But the reality is you just, it's one or two you need. It's one or two right now. And guess what? I find a year later, oh yeah, that's right. I need that one, don't I? Uh, so we want to uh, film it and then podcast it. And then if there's a leader that you think needs it, give it to them. And it shouldn't be like a, a chop in the throat. It should be, I love you. Here you go. Listen to this, right? Um, you know, Isaiah chapter one, actually, I want to say this first before I, I get into it. You know, as I was praying for you, Marco, man, I really just got this picture really clearly as I was praying for you of this puzzle. And uh, I saw this, I literally, I felt like I basically got a picture of a puzzle and I felt like it was the Lord putting the pieces of your life together. Uh, literally what was potential, what was maybe, what was the things that, you know, maybe seemed lost years ago, but he was actually forming you, he was shaping you. And I just, man, just want to encourage you, uh, you and Gigi, and I know I shared a kind of more prophetic word for Chris and Katiana on, on Sunday. Well, Chris missed it, actually. That's why you need to be in two services. Uh, but, uh, sorry, guilt on that one. No, and, uh, but I... I no guilt, no shame. Let's lift the shame off, Chris. <laughs> and, uh, but just gave them a word, but just felt like the Lord just showing me a picture of him just really putting you together. And just proud of you, man. They're just the progress you're making. It's, it's awesome. Amen. Amen. Um, Isaiah chapter 1, 2, 3, and 4, and 5, Isaiah is a prophet already. In Isaiah chapter 1, he's already heard God. He's already speaking for God. So how many know that God is still in the process of processing you? God is still in the process of actually shaping you. Too many times people go, I'm not ready for leadership. You're still not ready. I, like, and the reason you're not ready is because you're not really meant, you are meant to be ready, but you are meant to be dependent. And Isaiah is a prophet, right? And he's speaking for God. And all of a sudden, God shows him in Isaiah chapter 6 a new vision, a fresh revelation of God. Maybe he's in a praise and worship moment. Maybe he's by himself. Maybe wherever he is, all of a sudden, he's doing something and he sees something fresh in God because God needs to show him his glory again. And how many know all of us need to see God's glory again? We need to see God's majesty. We need God to peel back almost the, the layers that get on us sometimes. I've been a Christian a long time and then the word kind of jumps off the page to us and you're like, oh my goodness, I saw that again. I promise you, I, I kind of had one of those moments today. I, I got up pretty early uh, and, and I often like set myself this ridiculous goal. Like sometimes I'm like, Anthony, you're going to get up at four. And by the time I'm then going to bed, I'm like, no, I'm not. Like I, I fight with myself. And, and so it was one of those moments. But anyway, I did get up early. I got up at five and I was praying and just had a good time with the Lord. But anyway, uh, at six, I'm like, okay, I'm heading to the gym. If, if I can feel like I've prayed, spent time with the Lord, hit the gym before my kids have woken up, I feel like I've won. I've already won. doesn't matter what else I do in the day, I've won already. Okay, I'm halfway there kind of thing. So that's my motivation. So anyway, I'm like, I'm going to go to the gym. And I just felt the Holy Spirit just nudge me so clearly, just say, no, just spend a little more time with me. And I was like, oh. And in my head, I was like, oh, but when am I going to go to the gym, Lord? I'll have to readjust my day for the Lord. I mean, who is the Lord that he would ask me to readjust my day? How many like your schedule? How many like schedules are good, right? We're going to be readjustable. 
And, uh, and I just honestly felt like the Holy Spirit just was like, no, 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 spend a little more time with me. And I was like, oh, man. I, and sometimes it's a guilt thing, and I know it's a guilt thing, but no, I really sense it was God. And so then I just began to kind of pray up and down my kitchen a little bit, began to read a passage of Scripture. Then I'd go to the bathroom, as, as you do, and, um, and I promise you that this has probably only happened maybe four times in my Christian experience, so I don't recommend this theology, but it can happen occasionally. Okay, I go to the bathroom, I glance at a book, and something pops up in my heart, page 77. I'm like, okay. And I literally went, this isn't going to work. <laughs> because I know people are like that. They're literally like, Lord, I need a word. Go to hell, shoot. <laughs> Circumcise your second child. What? No. So I, I, again, I, I promise you, I don't recommend this as a theology on practical Christian application. I just promise you right now. I go to the bathroom, page 77, open up this John Maxwell leadership kind of, I don't know, toilet reading, whatever you want to call it. And on page 77, it, 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 um, all of a sudden I began to read Acts chapter 20. Acts chapter 20 says this, verse 22 to 24. It, is, no, okay, it's not on the screen. That's just a leader's night thing. Uh, Acts chapter 20, verse 22, says this, And now compelled by the Spirit, he says, I am going to Jerusalem, not knowing what will happen to me. I only know that in every city, the Holy Spirit warns me, that prison and hardships are facing me. That's an encouraging word, isn't it? I want you to focus on this though. However, I consider my life worth nothing to me. My only aim is to finish the race and complete the task the Lord Jesus has given me. The task of testifying to the good news of God's grace. How many know the Word of God, when you read it sometimes, you kind of go, I'm not there yet? Let's be honest, Isaiah was not there yet in Isaiah chapter 6 because God shows him that his tongue was unclean and he literally spoke like everyone else. He literally said, I'm a man of unclean lips and I live among a people of unclean lips, which means his tongue was just like the culture. Wow. Right? So God has to show him where he is just like the culture. I guarantee his theology wasn't like the culture. I guarantee his belief system when he acted in church wasn't like the culture. But guess what? When he spoke, he says, I'm a man of unclean lips and I live among a people of unclean lips. So his language as a prophet needed to be cleansed. And often your language, your heart, your motives, my motives, my heart, all those kinds of things, it has to be cleansed, doesn't it? right? And God processes you. God actually makes you, how many know you're more committed to Jesus today than you probably were two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, ten years ago? Especially some of you. You were not committed to Jesus at all ten years ago. <laughs> Amen, right? Which is a good thing. We need salvation in the house. God makes you, I believe as you get closer to Jesus, He makes you more committed. Have you ever sung a song in worship time? Just like, oh, Lord, here I am. Send me all of me. I surrender. And he's like, put $10 in the offering. I was like, I accept that bit. I, I, I meant all of me. I didn't mean all my money. 
Oh, none of you have ever done that. Okay, all right, all right. Oh, you're like, oh, here I am, Lord, send me. I'll wait for the perfect person. Like, oh, except if it's that person. God processes us along the journey of faith. God journeys with us. God shows us things where motivations are wrong. God shows us things where we're stale in Him. God shows us things. And uh, let me say this, and I pray this for our church. I pray that as people and as leaders, I pray we start to see more potential in people. Do you know a Pharisee spirit always sees what's wrong with people? I can't believe she'd walk in here with that skirt. Well, she probably doesn't know Jesus yet. Can't believe they got tattoos in that church. Right, that's Pharisee spirit, right? The spirit of God sees potential in people though, right? I pray God literally opens our eyes to see the potential in people. Because if you lead a transformed group in here as a man or woman or freedom or finance or whatever it is you lead, hey, if you, guess what? If you serve in our kids area in church, you need to see the potential in kids. Because otherwise all you see is them not listening to you. You're like, oh my gosh, I quit kids' ministry. No, you have to see the potential in the kids' ministry. When you're leading worship sometimes, you're like, that person's never going to get it. Oh, I'm going to quit the worship team because that person just won't lift their hands. You need to see the potential in people. I keep trying to encourage our third service to be the most encouraging service because at the moment it's the most discouraging service. So I just keep prophesying it's going to become the most encouraging service. In Jesus' name. Amen. And um, so anyway, go to the bathroom, see this scripture, come out, pray for a little while. Um, and then, have you ever needed to hear like a song, but the song was like back in the day, right? You, you just wanted to go old school occasionally. How many thank God for new songs, but occasionally you kind of go old school. Yeah. Some of you don't know old school, so just new school, and that's fine. But I went old school. How many of you remember the song as the deer pants for the water? Come on, somebody. I don't know how old I was when I first heard that. I think I was 10, 11, 12. As the deer pants for the water, so my soul longs for you, O God. My soul thirsts for God, for the living God. Where can I go and meet with God? Actually, that's the scripture. But then he goes on to say, the song says, you alone are my strength. And I went back in the day. I went to Donnie McClurkin. That dude can sing. Let me tell you. I don't know if you know of Donnie McClurkin. But I typed on as the D and I was like, Donnie McClurkin comes on, hit the YouTube. He starts singing like only he can probably sing, um, him and, I don't know, Pavarotti. And, um, and as soon as he said, my strength is in you, all of a sudden I just started crying like a baby. And, I, and I, it was like God just unveiled my eyes that, that he's been my strength for over 20 years. Like every blessing in my life um, has basically come out of his blessing, his grace, he's been my strength for over 20 years. And it just, it, it literally, even during different times today, I was kind of walking around the office doing different things and, and, and thinking about this message. I was just kind of singing and thinking about that song. My goodness, he's been my strength for over 20 years. Like God has to open your eyes again just to go, man, how long has he been your strength? How long has he been the place where you run to? How long has he been the place where you find grace and you find mercy? Because if you don't think of that sometimes, if the Holy Spirit doesn't unveil that, you, you just, it's kind of like you go through the motions in worship or you maybe you're even reading your Bible like, oh God, show me something. He will if we keep asking him. But here's what I've so often found. He shows you when he nudges you 
to do something a little bit more. Like he shows you, like just pray that little bit more. Just give that tiny bit more. Just love that person. Just forgive. It's the moments of him just nudging you and you, you follow the nudge of God and then he has more for you. But if I miss the nudge of God, you've got to understand when God is nudging you, he's always trying to give you more. More of himself, more love, more grace, more mercy, more something, more revelation. Does that make sense? And so when you and I perhaps can maybe get tired serving Jesus. And that's normal. It's just part of life that you just get tired. And maybe you lose vision sometimes. But I just want to, again, say that God is going to send a wave to this church. God is sending a wave to this church. God is, sending, God is going to send a wave of His Spirit. God is going to send a wave of people. God is going to send a wave of people. With people comes both potential and problems. Right? God is sending a wave. It is up to you and me to position ourselves so that the wave, we can literally catch the wave of the Spirit. And sometimes the nudge of the Spirit is literally God just nudging you. Hey, you're just in the wrong zone here. The tide's moving you that way. Move over a little bit. You'll be able to catch that wave. Does that make sense? So I, I, listen, some of you are new and you might have come from different churches, different church backgrounds and all kinds of stuff. And and I just want to say to you again, this church is here to to grow like we're not here to just play games we don't just throw on Sundays because we like it I don't just speak in front of people because I like the sound of my own voice I I, I hope the worship team isn't playing just because they like to play the guitar right I hope I know our kids ministry isn't doing it just because of kicks and giggles (laughs) right I know they're not changing diapers because they're like oh I just can't wait to change another diaper (laughs) oh I hope it's runny and brown this time (laughs) amen amen right and we need revelation of why we're doing what we're doing why does what um so let me share I am I don't know if I'm famous for this but I think my wife is uh thinks I'm famous for this me and her joke about it not famous but she'll understand in a moment she thinks I'm about to get awkward I'm not um you never know (laughs) that's true that's true. So I had a dream recently, um, and for some reason I often dream, and God gives me dreams, and famous preachers are in there, and they normally tell me one thing. I had a dream with new, I mean, literally, it's almost embarrassing how many people I could just list off. So I had a dream um, a couple of weeks ago on break that my wife and I had been climbing kind of up this path, up this hill, and actually the path that we were starting to climb upon was starting to get quite slippery and almost like you could fall off and we were knocking on this one door and we're knocking on this one door and they took a while to open the the door and then all of a sudden finally we get into this door into this door was this expansive kind of leadership development room John Maxwell was in there of course he was and um and uh, we're eating some food and different things, and there was goodies there, but there was lots of, there was lots of young people, and, and John Maxwell was in there. And anyway, I literally shake his hand, say, man, thank you for your input in my life. And he looks at me and says to me, we're not here for good. We're here for extraordinary. He said, we're not here for good. He said, we are here for extraordinary. Why does church need to be extraordinary and I don't mean it on this ridiculous Disney level why should church be fresh real and powerful 
Why should our transform groups be improving? Why should our women's groups be improving? Why should our kids' ministry be improving? Why should Sunday messages be improving? Why should creativity and the life of God and, and video and editing and all that kind of stuff, like all the stuff we do, why should your business be getting better? Why should you be growing as a leader? Because you're not here for good, you're here for extraordinary. God didn't actually make you to be just good and just average and just okay. He actually wants you to be extraordinary. And to be honest, sometimes I get convicted when I watch a, a military-type movie or a, um, a, even a very, uh, like the kind of movie that it's like businesses and they're making tons of money and stuff, and I see how focused and strategic they are in doing what they're trying to do, and I wonder sometimes, are we just playing games in the church or are we actually just really focused? Are we actually really trying to make disciples? Are we really trying to make leaders? And so everything that we do, actually, it shouldn't just be good. Now, it's okay to be good for a season. It's all right. It's a 6 out of 10 sometimes. You're like, you know what? But we're going to make it an 8 out of 10. A leader's job, a Christian's job is to improve that thing. How many know you can actually improve your marriage? You can improve your finances. You can improve your communication. You can improve your health. Some of you are like, yes, I can improve my marriage. I'm almost there. And uh, it's good. Amen. I was thinking of someone. You're right. Why does, why does, uh, why perhaps, why does your walk with God need to be fresh? Because there's people around you just are broken. Why, like, there's people need to be healed. There's young people that need to get on fire for God. There's business people that need to find purpose and meaning, not just in their money, but in their business. Like, there's there's stay-at-home mums that need to go. You know what? I'm actually doing this for a reason. And so just, I just want to encourage again, we're not here to play games, right? Why do we want you to grow as a leader? Why would we challenge you to read, pod, read books and read podcasts and start to learn? Because if you don't, you'll stay where you are. And I just want to tell you this, where you are is great and I encourage you, awesome. But if you're still in the same place in two years, that's not good. If I'm still the same leader today that I was uh, a year ago and I haven't grown in two years, I just want to tell you that's not good. The church has never been bigger. That means my leadership has to be bigger, has to be better. Your leadership has to be bigger, has to be better. Guess what? God has called uh, uh, every one of you, perhaps, to extraordinary. Come on, say amen. Amen. So let me give you a, um, well, you know, when Josh Kelly came here, um, I heard he brought a phenomenal word. Actually, I watched the message and was super encouraged by it. You know, he actually came away and he, he texted me later or Instagrammed or whatever, DM'd me and uh, <laughs> DM'd me. He was like, man, you guys have a phenomenal church. He really was very complimentive on the spirit of our church, the worship, but the spirit about the worship, the encouragement of our leaders, the encouragement of our church. He literally was like, man, you guys need to teach our, our nine o'clock service something. You know, uh, he was, and, and Steve Kelly then texted me later. He was like, man, Josh Kelly authentically raved about your church. And so that is so good. How many know there's good things going on, right? That's amazing. Come on, give the Lord a hand. But this will be the bit that I pray that God challenges you in some of the things you either think or say because if he doesn't challenge you what you think or say, 
um, you will be like Isaiah and you'll culturally be embracing lots of attitudes, lots of thoughts, lots of things that people say, but they will not produce anything in your world. So let me give you a couple of uh, questions almost, or here's where 15 points should come in. So, you know, oh, that's my warm-up. Holy cow, it's late already. How you, how you guys doing? All right, maybe I'm not getting to 15. Let me, uh, let me ask you a question. Number one, are you a, are you a servant or are you a scheduled volunteer? Let me, let, so, so let me hit this. <laughs> let me hit this because I think it might be a bit of a Achilles heel perhaps um, in our church. Are you a servant or a scheduled volunteer? The reason I ask that is that if you were on the worship team the first five years of our church, there was no schedule. You're on. If you were the kids leader, you're on. You're like, when's my break? Heaven. <laughs> One of the guys who, is, who was literally a builder of our church, Raphael Souza, he didn't miss one service for five years. Not one, not, not one service in five years. I was like, Ralph, my wife and I miss more services than you do. He's like, so? He was just there. And some of the people in our church are actually discipled somewhat by Ralph, actually Mags, Patty, some others that were just, he was the guy and he would meet with two or three pre-Sunday church and he would go through our discipleship system at the time. And I see the fruit of his life. He was just there. Now, as a church grows, it's healthy to have, you want to include more people and get more people serving. So you do a roster and you're like, hey, do you want to serve once a week or do you want to serve once a month? Do you want to serve twice a month? Do you want to serve three times a month? And it's good and we should do that. Don't let get me wrong. We're not running over planning center and burning it. But what I am saying is this, is that the blessing of serving once a month and twice a month is you actually sometimes get a, a spoilt spirit. It's not because theologically you believe that you should serve once a month, otherwise you'll burn out. Um, it's just you start to take on this consumeristic kind of type of Christianity. Like you're, you're a scheduled volunteer. You're not called. Because you, you're talking like you're a scheduled volunteer, you don't talk like you're called. And I think that that is sometimes the distinguishing factor many times between someone who really raises up in leadership and continues to grow is they don't treat themselves as someone who occasionally helps. No, they are a builder of the house of God, right? They, they own the call of God on their life. Like, I can't tell you... Um, how much effort or time or energy would go into sometimes a Sunday message if I wasn't ready for it? Like if I felt like I wasn't ready, I can't get up and go, hey guys, I'm a scheduled volunteer. I'm scheduled to be on three out of the four weeks per month. And generally, I try and speak about 75% of the time. Why? Because you need other preachers preaching. How many know you'd rather miss me than hate me? right? I'd rather people say, I wish he'd preach a little longer than, oh my gosh, when's he going to shut up? Right? I'd rather someone say, when are we going to get a guest speaker? We've heard this guy for 10 years straight. So you need, don't get me wrong, and that develops leaders, and that develops, but it's the call of God. 
And the call of God, this is sometimes the difference maker. Are you called or are you scheduled? Now, now let me, some, most of you are leading something in here. So most of you are leading your life a bit more called than others. Here's the thing. God does not give you a ready-made team who's all around you. Let's say the first impressions team or something. God does not give you a rock star team. He gives you a team. Actually, you go get a team. Let's rephrase that. Go get a team of 10 people. 20% of them are probably faithful. And your job is to make them even more faithful. 20% of them need help. 20% of them think they're doing the church a favor, you a favor, someone a favor, right? Your job as a leader is to then build faith, vision, hope, right? So if you show up and you're like, I can't believe no one's showing up to my team. No, no, no. You show up every time full of faith, full of hope. And if you don't have faith and don't have hope, fake it for that Sunday, Go back to the prayer closet, go get some faith, go get some hope, go get some love again, go to a conference, listen to a podcast, read a book, do whatever you got to do, come on, and and you go get faith. Our church church had had, had 80 people this one Sunday, I was so encouraged, I was like, woo! It was the biggest we'd ever been, the next Sunday it was 17. (sighs) I went home, I sat on my couch, and I said to myself, I haven't thought this many times in our church, I said to myself, I hate our church. (laughs) Confessions of a pastor. I was like, why are they so unfaithful? Why are they so unreliable? Where in the world were they? They're not going to heaven. At all. <laughs> the most they're getting to is purgatory. I mean, the, the absolute most. I don't believe in purgatory. Some of you are surprised. Just had to clarify theology for a second. God gives you a, a team, and then he goes to work on you. And then you go to work, and you lead that team with faith. And you lead it with hope. And you lead it with love. You lead it with faith again. And you lead it with hope again. And you lead it with love again. And then sometimes you lead it with faith again. And then you lead it with love again. And you lead it with with hope again. And then sometimes you realize you were being a bad leader and that's why they left. And you go, oh, I need to grow. And then you kind of go, woe is me. I'm a man because I suck at leadership. Or woman, right? And you need those moments sometimes that you actually just go, my goodness, oh, I just sucked at leading it. That's why no one came back. It's not because God hasn't called you. It's just because you had to grow and get more humble. You have to read a book. You have to go to a conference. You have to immerse yourself. You have to not just, listen, like all of our leaders and everyone, anyone in our church, like transform the weekend. We put this on for you. Like, so that the leadership of our church, the faith, the hope, the love of our church raises to the next level. So own, that is for you. I can't tell you the number of conferences Miriam and I have been to. I try to go to two a year. 
And uh, this year I actually went to three. I promise you the third one I went to, and I, almost, I think the devil tried to fight me on it. I was at Wave, and this, I was down at the altar, and I had this, this, this thought that said, um, cancel that trip. Cancel that trip. And I was like, my gosh. And I literally told Miriam, I was like, I, I wasn't sure this was the Lord. I was wondering if it was God. We actually talked about it, and, and I kind of freaked her out a little bit. You're like, oh my gosh, is the plane going to crash? Is all kinds of stuff going to happen? She was in fear for about a, an hour or so. And then all of a sudden, she was like, babe, I'm excited now about the trip. And as soon as she said that, it was like, yeah, totally. I'm excited about this trip. This trip's going to be awesome. It was the best conference I've been to in 10 years. It had, it had the, the temperature factor. It had that presence of God factor. But let me tell you, blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, you shall be filled. Like sometimes we just don't go to an empower night. We don't go to a leader's night. We don't go to a prayer meeting or men's prayer, women's prayer. We don't go to those things because we think we're full already. I'm telling you, you're not full. You need to get more full. Does that make sense? Are you a servant or um, are you a servant on a scheduled volunteer? Are you a servant or a position seeker? This will test our hearts. Are you a servant or a position seeker? Are you anointed for the worship team, but don't send me to kids ministry? Now, sometimes we're not sending you to kids ministry because you hate kids. <laughs> right? Sometimes if you hate kids, you may want to pray that Jesus changes your heart because that might be strange. <laughs> Just want to throw that out there for someone. <laughs> Are you a servant or a position seeker? Do you know that if there was a large church, um, there would be lots of people going, hey, I want to be the senior pastor of that church. But I, I just, we start like in the basement with six. <laughs> with six mice and four cockroaches. <laughs> Two of the people, two of the people are still in our church. And one of the guys annoyed the crap out of Miriam and I. We hoped he didn't come. <laughs> but, but sometimes God sends those people to you just to test you. He, they're, they're not the ones still here. <laughs> he left because the Lord had mercy on us. <laughs> Are you still doing okay? Yeah. <laughs> Some of you are like, are you sure? <laughs> I thought you were more sanctified, Pastor Anthony. <laughs> are you living out God's assignment for your life? When you find, here's the thing often, sometimes we don't know our assignment. And I think there's so much confusion on that. First, find your alignment. St Pastor Steve Kelly always says this, find your alignment, you find your assignment. When you align with a house that God has called you in, it perhaps probably doesn't even matter where you serve. It just matters that you're a builder. And if you'll just, let me say this, Steve Rosek played on the worship team, um, did Thrive, um, had numerous moments with me and, and, and Miriam on correction in our church, probably had, to, uh, probably had to forgive us. 
because we're like, that's not good enough, Stephen. How many know when you get corrected that that doesn't feel very good? (laughs) But he stayed and he planted, and I think he's now, now probably stepping into his greatest grace with Freedom Ministry. I I sense it's God's call on his life. But hear me now, but if he hadn't passed the tests, why would we ever put him over Freedom Ministry? right? If he hadn't passed the tests on numerous different tests, and it's, it's God tests, and then sometimes it's just a leadership test, and it's sometimes just a, I'm just showing up test. Like, I'm amazed what will happen if you just keep on showing up with a right spirit, and you allow God to do good things in your life. Does that make sense? Um, number four, <clears throat> are you measuring your worship slash serving all the time or are you breaking the bottle do you measure when you serve all the time do you measure your worship let me give you a story and i think that i'm going to make that my last i don't know if i can make that my last point my goodness i'm going to say that again you'll understand it in a second mark chapter 14 says this mark 14 verse 4 says while he was in bethany reclining at the table in the home of simon the leper a woman came with an alabaster jar of very expensive perfume made of pure nard and she broke the jar and poured the perfume on his head some of these present were saying indignantly to one another why this waste or perfume it could have been sold for more than a year's wages and the money given to the poor and they rebuked her harshly leave her alone said jesus why are you bothering her she has done a beautiful thing to me the poor you always have with you it's funny that people are actually good at spending other people's money on the poor but not their own money on the poor but the poor you will always have with you and listen to what Jesus says and you can help them whenever you want to but you will not always have me she did what she could she poured perfume on my body beforehand to prepare for my burial truly I tell you wherever the gospel is preached throughout the world what she has done will also be told in memory of her So let me give you point number four again. Are you measuring your worship, serving, your giving, how you serve God all the time, or are you breaking the bottle? Are you giving Jesus cologne sprays? Here, Jesus, I've only got this much left. Let me give you a little cologne. And this woman comes along and she literally breaks the whole bottle, pours it on his head, pours it on his feet, worships him, And all of a sudden, everyone smelt it. So often, we want more of the anointing to flow. God's looking for more worship to flow. God's looking for more serving to flow. Can I just say this? When it comes to serving and being on a on a on a team, and 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 I'm on twice a week. I don't want to burn out, Pastor. Listen, there's nowhere in the New Testament, I looked, because I was tired of hearing it many years ago. There's nowhere in the New Testament when the apostles are like, guys, you're working too hard here for Jesus. (laughs) Stop it. (laughs) It's not in the Bible. It's not in the New Testament whatsoever. Here's what they say, 1 Corinthians 15, verse 58. Be steadfast. 
immovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord, for you know that your labor is not in vain. Fix your eyes on Jesus, the author and the perfecter of your faith, who for the joy set before him and do it at the cross. Consider him so that you do not grow weary. So that, listen, when I'm weary, I'm, I'm failing to consider Jesus. So when I think of Jesus and what he did on the cross, getting up early and praying, it's easy. When I get up, when I think of Jesus on the cross and worshiping him, man, giving's easy, serving's easy, just preaching, that's easy, inviting someone to church, that's easy, just, just laying down my life, that's easy. Because all of a sudden I felt like God showed me his goodness to my life for 20 years, like he's like, you've been the strength of my life for 20 years. And all of a sudden I start crying, I start worshiping him, why? Because I saw him afresh. And how many know that you come out of those moments and you see God clearer again? You're like, oh, wait, I've been selfish. And it's good to see yourself selfish sometimes. You need to see yourself as the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. You need to be bold in prayer. You need to be all those things. And then sometimes God will just take back something and just go, hey, your motive is all wrong. Let me say this about Christians and leaders who stop serving. Most of the time, my experience is this. When a leader has been leading for six months, a year, and they're like, Pastor, I need a break. I almost never see them lead again. You're like, hey, I just want to be in a learning season. You're always in a learning season. Let me tell you when you're going to learn the most. When you lead. I was 20 years old. The, uh, the leaders of my campus had said, hey, we want to do a Bible study on my dorm. Holy Spirit speaks to me. You start it. I was like, oh, am I ready, Lord? She's like, no. So you're going to pray and get ready. And then you're going to do it. And then guess what? The next week you're not going to be ready, so you're going to pray, and then you're going to go get ready. And then you're going to be ready. Here's the deal. You never bench press 300 pounds until you first bench press 100 Bench press 200, bench 225, 255, 275. And then finally, right, you are actually pruned by the weight that someone gives you. So ministry actually is the measure of maturity. But at the same time, as I pour out my life, and this doesn't mean just church. This means how I manage my home, my life, my business, my finances, being a great dad, all those kinds of things. All of that is serving Jesus. All of that is serving Jesus. And then let me just even say this thought. Sometimes we think that somehow church is competing with the family. There's no organization in the world that will build your family like the church. There's not one. It's not even close so the family starts going well, people start departing from church, and then all of a sudden they start dropping in their marriage again. And I've seen it time and time again. The place that builds your marriage better than any other place, statistically proven, not even Bible proven, is the church. Those who attend church have the, the happiest marriages and even the most satisfying sex, statistically, which should just encourage us, <laughs> be in the house of God. Um, <clears throat> I've said this before and I think it's important to say again sometimes we say this you know I'm just in a dry season and I just want to touch on that again most of the time 
we bring ourselves to a dry season. But the way out of a dry season isn't don't stop praying, don't stop going to worship. Like it's not avoid God and then finally God will one day rain down his fresh rain on your world. Right? God will let you do a lot of stupid things. My father just passed away, was at one stage a really associate pastor, preached. He will let you do, like his sovereignty is literally like he can lift and then I guarantee there were moments of mercy, moments of grace. I believe he was in heaven now, but God will let you do the dumbest things. Don't have a season of 20 years of dryness. You determine your season. If you're in a dry season, get out on the water and go say, God, send a wave and I will position myself and I will do whatever it takes to get fresh again, to, get, to, to catch the wave of the Spirit again. Um, that, why do we fast sometimes? Why do we pray, right? You don't just do it just because, oh, that's awesome. Sometimes you do it because you need it. Like just, I've, um, go for a walk for an hour if you're feeling dry. If you've been dry for a few weeks, go for a walk for an hour. Just go pray. So go up to someone and say, hey man, can you pray for me? Get four men around you, four women around you. Come on guys, let's extend faith and just believe that we're going to break through in some things and so forth. You've got to learn to do that yourself. Does that make sense? Um, oh, I, I, I'm going to end with this one. Be, be wary. Be wary of the spirit of mammon. Mammon. Be wary of the spirit of mammon. The spirit of mammon is the spirit that's behind money when we don't honor God. So when we redeem money, I felt like for some reason I had to write this down today. I was like, oh Lord, I'm not really going here. But I guarantee there'll be some people here, uh, or maybe just listening, that you, listen, seek Jesus, manage money. Don't seek money and manage Jesus, right? Don't seek, don't seek money and manage Jesus. No, no, no. You, where to seek Jesus, be about God's kingdom and manage money. Because the spirit of mammon will, will, will take away your passion for God quicker than most. Probably up there with the spirit of um, lust and the spirit of pride. That will take away your passion for God. Make sure as a leader, your heart, every time I tithe, every time I give to believe and build, it's, it's doing something to my heart. I, in, in this last season, I stretched. I felt like the Lord had spoken to me to stretch more than we've ever stretched. And I'm telling you, there's actually more joy in giving now, I'm like, oh, I'm giving this amount. Like, it's pretty cool. But it, if I didn't do that, the spirit of mammon gets on you. Does that make sense? All right, stand to your feet. Mags, can you do the last song you did? Shame is gone. Sin is broken. Here's what I want us to do, guys. Just in this last kind of worship moment, we'll wrap up. I think podcast kind of time. But here's what I want us to do. Just take a moment to worship the Lord. And, and I, as leaders, listen, we are at the start of, I believe, a very significant season in our church. 
We are, it's the fall. Um, we're starting to hit back numbers over 700 again in our church, which is, if you just rewind one year, that's very significant. That means we don't need leaders falling off talking about seasons they need to boycott God on. We actually need double the leaders, right? Transform the weekend will be, I believe, an exceptional weekend in our church, and I'm so excited for our new Transform groups all across this church. I believe it'll be our greatest time of just discipling people, helping people find God, helping people find freedom, helping people all across this place just start to win in life. And um, we need to catch and be faithful with the wave of people God sends us. But before we do that, we've got to have a, a moment where we throw down and we don't just spray Jesus and say, here, Jesus, that's enough. He says, would you break it? Because when you break it, that's when the good stuff comes out. That's when worship actually affects everyone. Why did Jesus tell in the Gospels, this story will be told to the whole world? Because he wanted everyone to know that this woman threw down a bottle that was worth one year's wage, worshipped, served, loved, and that's how to produce worship. Just ask that God would show you an area where you're just holding back. You're just, you're just firm. You're like, no, there's a mindset needs to shift. Something in your heart needs to shift. There's something up here that will just hold you back from really just loving Jesus. So come on, let's worship. If you want to hear more empowering messages and learn more about Church Alive, make sure to follow us on social media and check out our website at churchalive.tv. We hope to see you this weekend. Have a great week.